Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Go to 1st Chronicles. 1st Chronicles 16. 1st Chronicles 16. So we are in uh, basically what is the 24th part of our last day survival guide coming off of the teachings of Dr. Barclay called Advanced Survival Techniques about living in the last days. So I am revamping this for us, focusing off of the key parts of his teaching. Of course, uh, doing some, a little adjusting on my own, uh, teaching these things to you, not changing what he says, but uh, making it a little more uh, adaptable to us in our setting on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night as we're going through these on Sunday and Wednesday. I want to first of all start off with, of course, the title, The Hidden Power of Steadfastness. There's a hidden power in steadfastness, and this is revealed all through Scripture. I want to give you a definition if you'd like it. I've got it on my notes. It'll be good for you to have. What does it really mean biblically to be steadfast? If you are going to say there's a hidden power in steadfastness, so what does that mean to be steadfast? So this is what the Bible defines to us as to what steadfast is. It means firmly fixed. <clears throat> firmly fixed. It means resolute. How many of you know what the resolute desk is? In our country, you know what the resolute desk is? I mean, it's in uh, the White House, obviously, and it's a desk in which we know documents have been signed that are resolute, absolute. Uh, so the word also means resolute. It also means unwavering. I like that. You don't waver. You're not kind of, sort of, you know, walking in a position of firm walk, consistency with God one moment, and then sort of kind of not the next. That would be wavering. So steadfast means, guess what? I'm unwavering. And I like this one, established. Established. Steadfast means, say it after me, firmly fixed, resolute, unwavering, and established. When you and I begin to live this way as a believer, biblically, it brings a, an incredible power, an incredible strength to our life as believers. So let's dig into the scriptures tonight and let's learn about this hidden power of steadfastness. We're going to begin here in 1 Chronicles 16. We're going to pick it up in verse 8. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 8. This is a song of David who was a man after God's own heart. This is a song of thanksgiving that David sang to the Lord. I want you to see this with me in verses 8 through 12. Oh, give thanks to who? So immediately we now know who the focus is on here. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Make known His deeds, His works among the peoples. What should you and I be doing? We ought to be telling people about how good our God is. The things that He's done for us. The things that He's done for others. Even what we see in Scripture. Verse 9, sing to Him. What are you supposed to do? Sing to Him. Just when you're in church? No. Sing to Him. Sing psalms to Him. 
talk of all his wondrous works. Talk about them. If you want to talk about something, why not talk about God's wondrous work? Why talk about all the problems in, in the context of Washington or all the problems in the world? It's one thing to kind of address it or deal with it for the purpose of prayer or alerting people, but we don't need to be focusing all of our talk on all that stuff. What should we be talking about? His wondrous works. <clears throat> Verse 10, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice. Underline this, please. Here's what we're going to get into. Who seek the Lord. Who seek what? The Lord. Again, let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Can I read that to you from a perspective of the Hebrew? Those who seek the Lord, their hearts will rejoice. Their hearts will rejoice. Verse 11, seek the Lord. Underline it again. So in verse 10, he said to seek the Lord. In verse 11, he starts off again saying, seek the Lord and add something to it, his strength. Underline that. Seek the Lord and his strength. Underline this, please, or make a note of it or highlight it, whatever you do in your Bible. Seek his face. You ought to circle this word, evermore. Evermore. See, think about the term evermore. What, what does evermore bring to mind on our subject that we're talking about tonight? Steadfast. Or steadfastness. Seek, again, his face evermore. Verse 12. Remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. So on your notes here, number one, the first step. Say first step. Say first step. The first step in leading a steadfast life is to do what? Seek the Lord. You're not going to live a steadfast life. If you seek anything other than the Lord, you will waver in life. Even if you seek the world, you will waver in life. Because there's nothing about this world that's steadfast. Because steadfast is a great strength to our life. So again, the first step in leading a steadfast life is to do what? Make sure you're seeking the Lord. 1A, what are we supposed to seek when we seek the Lord? So I've taught you this before. We're to seek His face, not His hands. How do we seek His hands? Do what? Looking for what he can do for us. Is that what we're supposed to seek? No, we're supposed to seek his face, which refers to more so what? Relationship. Just getting to know him. If you're seeking God's face, it ain't about what he can give you. It's not about seeking stuff for things he can do for you. It's about simply getting to know him. You're not going to live a steadfast life without having a consistent walk of seeking the face of God. 1B, seek his face what? Evermore, which refers to continually, not sporadically. To seek his face forevermore means you're doing it in, in context of your life in every single day you live, day in and day out. You're not doing it sporadically, you're doing it continually. It must be, underline it, a lifestyle. Must be a lifestyle. 1C, he also tells us to do what? Seek his strength also. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If we'll learn from Scripture what the Bible teaches us about how to actually get the joy of the Lord working in our life, we can get strength. You know what it'll lead you back to? Fellowship with God. Because if you go back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1-4, through 4, it talks about fellowship. It talks about fellowship. 
And it says that if you walk in fellowship with God, it says your joy will be full. So it still comes back to relationship with God. Amen? Uh, 1D on your notes there, verse 15, we are to be always, say always, always mindful of his covenant, his word, and his word, which is basically found where? In his word, which he has spoken to many generations. Go back to your verses, look at verse 15. Remember his covenant for what? Forever. Forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. Because this is being steadfast again in seeking him by remembering his covenant forever and the word which he commanded for what? A thousand generations. So you and I are also to always be mindful of the covenant we now have, New Testament, found through the New Testament scriptures of what God has done for us. Amen? Psalms 91. Next set of verses, Psalm 91. Anybody know about Psalms 91? I've mentioned this many times in relationship to Psalm 91. A lot of people claim Psalms 91 in their life. But you've got to realize about the, the fact of, uh, of what these scriptures reveal. Just claiming what Psalms 91 promises doesn't mean it'll work for you. You've got to live out what Psalm 91 declares for you to claim it and that therefore it will work for you. Number two... It talks about here about dwelling. He that dwells, dwells. So we're going to see in a minute the secret place with God, not visits. We're not supposed to visit. We're supposed to be dwelling in the secret place. So let's talk about this. Psalm 91 verse 1. He who underlines it, underline it, dwells in the secret place of the Most High. What will he do? He shall abide. Under the shadow of thee, <clears throat> what if I'm not dwelling in the secret place? <clears throat> what if I'm not dwelling in the secret place? <clears throat> I won't abide under the shadow. I won't abide under the protection. See, a lot of people claim Psalm 91 protection. But to claim Psalm 91 protection, you got to dwell in the secret place. Can't visit it. <clears throat> got to live there. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him, I will what? Drop down to verse 9. Same Psalm, verse 9. Because, God responds, because, underline it, you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Say dwelling place. You've made the Lord what? Your dwelling place, where you live, where you abide. So real simple. Verse 1 again says, he who dwells in the secret place. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge, my fortress. My refuge, my fortress, a place where you live. A place where you live. Verse 9, because he is your refuge. He is your dwelling place. What will happen? Verse 10, no evil shall befall you. No plague shall come near you. Why? Because you're under the shadow. How do you get under the shadow? So let's simplify it back to verse 1. i got to dwell in the secret place. <clears throat> if I don't dwell in the secret place, guess what I'm not going to do? Abide under the shadow. Dwelling in the secret place means I'm living a life of steadfastness. <clears throat> what are we talking about tonight? The hidden power of steadfastness. What's the hidden power 
of steadfastness in these verses in Psalms 91. Protection. Supernatural, powerful protection comes to those who are steadfast in living in that secret place. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Number two on your notes. 2A, verse 9 says, All the blessings, all the blessings of Psalm 91 will come upon those who have made the Lord their dwelling place. They're dwelling with Him day in, day out. They're not just visiting Him, they're dwelling Him, uh, dwelling with Him. 2B, this speaks of our constant, say constant, our constant relationship with God. So if I'm working on developing, becoming more aware of a relationship with God every day, then I'm dwelling in the secret place. To dwell in the secret place means, you ready? To become aware of Him. To become aware of Him. If I become aware of Him, I'm dwelling in the secret place. And you can become aware of Him day in, day out. You can be aware of God's presence with you, God's presence in you, God's presence around you. And if you are, guess what you're doing? You're honoring that presence. So let me just add back in here for just a minute, 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4, because we're talking about fellowship. This is why, as a believer, we don't want to live in a context of willful sin. Because willful sin, 1 John 1 goes on to tell you, breaks fellowship with God. And that causes us, therefore, to not be dwelling in the secret place. Now, if we do, how many know as fast as you confess that sin, you're back in the right place with God? But this is why we don't want to keep doing things in context of willful sin or have unconfessed sin in our life because it breaks that fellowship. If we break that fellowship, am I abiding under the shadow of the Most High? No, because I'm not dwelling in the secret place. If I break fellowship, I'm not dwelling in the secret place. This is why we say you don't want to live with unconfessed sin because it gives Satan open opportunity to take advantage of your life. Amen? We're not earning protection from God. We're learning how to walk in it. We're learning how to walk in it. God has a place of protection for us. If I choose to go live in sin, can God protect me if I'm choosing to live in sin? No, wages of sin is still death. And I'm giving Satan access and opportunity to take advantage of my life. This is why I appreciate our pastor who has preached against sin for years and still gets a lot of flack over it. He's not telling people you're, you're going to overcome sin by yourself. No, Jesus came to deliver you from it. But don't go willfully do it and live in things you know you shouldn't because all you're going to do is give Satan opportunity to take advantage of your life. And the more you and I acknowledge walking in the presence of God, choosing not to break fellowship with Him by getting into sin, guess what? The more we're going to live in the secret place. <clears throat> Therefore, we abide under the shadow. We're under that protection canopy of God. And no matter what the enemy throws at us, we're protected. That's a good place to live. I said it's a good place to live. But for me to experience that consistent in my life, how many know I need to be steadfast in my fellowship with God? Steadfast in my relationship with Him. Amen? This is why steadfast in church, steadfast all for the purpose of fellowship. Steadfast in the Word, talking to God. I like what was said about Wigglesworth for years, you know. Uh, pastor asked him one time, he said, Brother Wigglesworth, how much time do you spend in prayer as you pray? Probably not more than three to five minutes. That's all? I thought you were a great man of God. Everybody told me you were a great man of prayer and a great man of God. And you only spend three to five minutes at a time in prayer. He said, but I probably don't go 10 or 15 minutes without talking to God. You know what he was doing? He was living in the presence of God every day. 
Every day, talking to God. You can do it while you're at work. You can do it while you're at home. Come on, you can do it while you're with your kids. You can do it while you're in the marketplace. Are you still here? You can be walking through the store, looking at the, at the prices in the store today and start talking to your God. Say, thank you, Father. You supply all my need. I'm so grateful you're the provider. Or you can complain and moan and groan. You listening? But if I'm walking in relationship to my God, fellowshipping with him, where am I at? I'm in the secret place. <clears throat> Therefore, I'm abiding under what? The shadow. Come on, I'm abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Good place to live. Hebrews 11. <clears throat> Hebrews 11. So, clearly, having a steadfast relationship with God consistently is a huge strength to us in the area of protection as well. Hebrews 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. The Hall of Faith chapter. Hall of Faith. Hebrews chapter 11. If you turn there. Number three on your notes, God is a rewarder. Say rewarder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, doesn't that sound kind of like steadfast? Who diligently do what? Seek him. 11.6. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. How many want to please God? Why is it impossible to please God without faith? Well, stop for a minute. Before you even answer that, stop and think about this. What pleases God? What, what is it that pleases God about our life? Think about all that Jesus died and purchased and paid for you. Think about the covenant he provided. I've said it many times like this. If you were a parent, let's say you worked and, you know, really uh, did everything you could to save up an inheritance for your children, and the time comes that you pass on, and then your children don't even take advantage of that inheritance... Obviously, and you know about it in heaven, wouldn't that break your heart to know that I provided them inheritance and they wouldn't even actually take advantage of it? Well, see, God's given us an inheritance. Guess what pleases Him? That we take advantage of our inheritance. We know how to use our authority in Christ. We know how to use the name of Jesus. Come on, we know how to walk in faith in relationship to those promises that are already fulfilled. Right? So what pleases God to see you broke? Nope. What pleases God to see you sick? Nope. What pleases God to see you stressed and worried and fearful? No. Does that please a parent to see that as well? Not at all. And God's far better than even a human parent. What pleases God then? Seeing you walk in what he purchased and paid for. But how do you do that? By faith. That's why it's impossible to please God without faith. Because you can't walk in your inheritance without faith. Amen? Reading on, by, notice again, he said, But without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. So anybody ever tells you, well, you need to convince me that God is. No, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You need to convince me God exists. No, I don't. You, you, don't, you can't even come to him. Well, why not? Because you don't believe he is. You got to believe he is to come to him. There's no scripture that says, I got to convince you that he is. For you to come to him, you got to believe he is. My job isn't to convince you that he is. My, my job is to tell you how to come to him. If you believe he is, I can tell you how to come to him. That's what my job is. Tell you about reconciliation, what he did for you. But you got to believe that he is. Wait a minute, you ready? Come on, somebody got your shouting shoes on? He's a rewarder. God's a rewarder. But who's he rewarder of? Those... Who diligently seek his promises, his blessings. Is that what it said? Those who diligently seek what? 
Again, you're seeking him, not the promises, not the blessings. You're seeking the blesser. You're seeking the one, his face, who did this for you by relationship. Now, like it or not, guess what? If you look, I've looked it up in every Greek uh, you know, concordance I have. If you look up that rewarder, it refers to one who pays wages. That's what it says. One who pays wages. So it kind of sounds like we're earning something from God. But again, we're really not. We're learning how to receive God's reward for us. And you know what the reward is of those who diligently seek Him? You ready? You ready? It's Him. It's Him. If you draw near, He draws near to you. See, the reward is God Himself. I guarantee you, if you get that reward of God himself, you're not going to lack knowing anything you need to know. You're not, you're not going to lack understanding of anything you need to understand. Amen? So number three again, God is a rewarder of those who what? So what if I don't diligently seek him? You miss out on the reward. You miss out on him. You miss out on what he has to offer you. So we can't blame anybody for lacking the reward of having God, an awareness of Him in our life ourselves, other than ourselves. Because nobody can make me diligently seek Him but me. 3A, many people aren't blessed because they don't serve God faithfully or seek Him with diligence. And what's blessed mean? Happy to be envied. You get hanging around God, get close to God, and and He's the reward. Guess what you're going to be? Happy. And to be envied. People are going to want to know why you got that big old smile on your face and why you got that little skip in your step and why you seem to be so different than everybody else. 3B, to diligently, biblical definition, to diligently seek him means to search out, listen to that, to investigate and to crave. When you look up that word there, he is a reward of those who diligently seek him. That word diligently in the Greek means I am searching him out, I am, I'm investigating him, and I am craving him. Investigate doesn't mean let's find out if what he said is true or not. No. Investigate means you are digging into everything you can to find out more about him. Amen? And you crave what? Him. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Thank you, Clayton. For the one hallelujah tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Excuse me, Chronicles, thank you. If I'd pay attention to my own notes, I might do better, better off for you, huh? Back to Chronicles, this time 2 Chronicles, not 1st, chapter 9. If you found 1st Chronicles the first time, no problem, you can find 2 Chronicles this time. This is actually when the Queen of Sheba, remember when she came and met with Solomon? So the Queen of Sheba here comes and meets with Solomon. Notice this statement she makes about uh, Solomon's uh, men, those who served uh, alongside him. 2 Chronicles 9, 7. Happy, happy are your men, and happy are are these, excuse me, your servants who stand continually. Underline that. Who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Happy are your men and these servants of yours, those who serve with him, who do what? What are they doing? Stand continually. What if they don't? They are not going to be very happy. Right? Right? But those who are called to him, 
men that are there to serve along with him, servants as well, if they would stand continually, do what? Stand continually and hear his wisdom, what would they be? Happy. Who gave them that wisdom? God did. God did. So we're talking about the hidden power of steadfastness. How does that relate to us in relationship to leadership in our life? Solomon was the leader of Israel of the day. He had the wisdom given to him by God because he was anointed by God to be a leader over God's people. And for those who stood continually before him and received his wisdom, what were they? Happy. Because they did so continually. They didn't just stand before him when the wisdom they heard sounded good to them, but when they didn't agree with it, then they left him. No, she said those who stand continually before him. And hear his wisdom that came from God, really, was God's wisdom. What would they be again? What are we talking about tonight? The hidden power of steadfastness. Number four, happy men and women, of course, just humans, stand continually with what? Leadership. Amen. Leadership. To, uh, 4A here. Happiness here does not mean that their every whim was cared. Uh, every whim was cared for. It means that they were content to serve with their leader, and were secure and confident in his leadership. Amen. They knew he was hearing from God, and so that brought a great strength to them. Come on, great, brought a great power to them, and they were happy to know, I've got a leader that's hearing from God that's helping me. Amen. Amen. But you got to do that what? Continually. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Say it, the power of steadfastness. Not many other things in the Bible. There are some, but boy, I tell you, not a whole lot of uh, other things in the Bible that you can talk about that brings such great power and strength to your life than steadfastness does. For uh, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, if you're there, say amen. amen. Notice this, it pleased the Father that in Jesus, in Him, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him... This pleased the Father that through him he would reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, say me, say me, out loud, shout it at me. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet he is now what? So reconciled means to restore back in right relationship, putting you back together with God. 22. Notice this. You have been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. He did this in the body of his flesh through death, dying for us, that he could do what? Present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. What does he want to do? He wants to present us when he comes back and gets us and takes us home, he wants to present us before the Father holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Who's he going to do this with? Glad you asked. He's going to answer it. 23. If indeed. Say if. Say if. So there's a condition. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Read it again. If you continue, say if I continue. If you continue in the faith. What's continue mean? You're steadfast, as he says. 
Because you're grounded and you're steadfast. You're grounded and you're steadfast and you're not moved. Say not moved. So that would be like what? Not wavering. You're, you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What is the hope of the gospel which you've heard? What is the hope of the gospel which you've heard? His return. An expectation. He's coming back for me. I said he's coming back. Good news. He's coming back for me. That you continue to not be moved away from this expectation of the good news which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, why does he talk about us not being moved away from this expectation of the good news of the gospel of Jesus coming to get us? I'm going to tell you why. Because the Bible says in the book of 1 John that you and I, having this expectation of Christ returning, should therefore keep ourselves holy and right before God. So we're ready for his return so that he can present us holy and blameless and above reproach in the sight of God. Amen? We've talked about this many times, many times in relationship to the rapture of the virgins, the two in the field, two in the bed. So we have to do what? Verse uh, 23 is our part. We got to continue in the faith. So what does it mean to continue in the Faith. The faith is active Christianity in this phrase. means you're actively walking and pursuing Christ. What is Christianity? Be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. If I'm actively walking in the faith, I'm actively pursuing Christ. I'm actively pursuing being like Christ, including relationship to the Father, etc. Amen? So notice this on your notes here. Under number five, Jesus wants to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. 5a, if, bolded and typeface on purpose, you what? Continue in the faith. Active Christianity. Stay active in following Christ. 5b, you got to be what? Grounded and steadfast. So this is a consistent thing. See, this is why context to walking out in relationship to God because you love Him and you're enjoying your fellowship with Him. This is why doing the things of God, obviously steadfast, helps your life. Grounded in church. Grounded in good relationships. Grounded in strong fellowship with strong believers. Grounded in a good prayer life. Grounded in praying in the Holy Spirit consistently. 5C, and you're not moved away from, again, the hope of the gospel. Because we're constantly thinking about the return of the Lord. First John says that we should clearly, therefore, want to be prepared and live a holy life. Colossians 2, go over one chapter to Colossians 2. Look at verses 5 through 7. Chapter 2, verse 5, for though I'm absent in the flesh, yet, Paul said, I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see... Rejoicing to see your good order. Your what? Good order. You're doing things in a sense of what is good in the sight of God and orderly. And the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. So what? Underline it. Walk in Him. Walk in Him. How? Seven. Being rooted. Being what? Rooted. 
and built up in him and established again in the faith. Look at all the words referring to steadfastness here. Good order. Verse 5, steadfastness of your faith. Verse 6, that you are walking in him. That's a steadfast statement. That you're not visiting him. You're walking in him, living a life in him. Verse 7, you're rooted and built up in him. You're established in the faith. As you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Even the last phrase, abounding in this relationship with what? Thanksgiving. Abounding is a form of steadfastness. Because you're doing it consistently. You're doing it all the time. So on your notes, number six, even here the Apostle Paul goes on and tells us clearly that he is rejoicing over the Colossians' good order and their steadfastness in Christ. 6a, we are not only supposed to know the Lord, but also be what? Found walking in Him. We're to be found walking in Him. So if you remember this in the context of the disciples in the book of Acts, remember what it said about them in one situation where they were uh, taken under, uh, you know, control of the religious leaders of the day and dealt with? Remember what one of the gentlemen said in their group? He said, listen, he said, I know this, they've been with Jesus. If you're walking in Christ, guess what people know? They know you've been walking with Him. Can I get a better amen? Just knowing about Him is not enough. We need to be what? Walking in Him. 6B, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Established in our walk of faith with God. Or again, active Christianity. All right? 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Tell your neighbor, you're doing good tonight. Stay with it, man. 1 Timothy, praise God, chapter 4. We're going to see here that we have a responsibility to be able to take accountability for our own lives as a believer. 1 Timothy chapter 4, to be steadfast, as it shows you on your notes, number 7, you must learn to be responsible for yourself and your own actions. You're not going to be steadfast if you don't. I'll say it again. You must learn to be responsible for yourself and your own actions. If you don't, you will not be steadfast. Because once again, nobody can make you steadfast in your walk with God. You have to do it. You, you can make all kinds of excuses why you can't be steadfast in your walk with God. But the truth is, that's not true. You can be steadfast if you really want to. It's a choice. It's a decision you make, nobody else. We can blame a lot of things, other people job, you name it. But the truth is, we can all be steadfast in our walk with God if we choose to. Could I get an amen? Amen. Now, this is what Paul tells young Timothy here in relationship to his walk with God in 1 Timothy 4.16. Notice this. Take heed to who? There you go. Underline it. Take heed to yourself. Can you think of another verse kind of goes along with that? Yeah, work out your own. Salvation. Salvation, Philippians says. So take heed to yourself, notice this, and to the doctrine. Coming back to that. Notice this, continue. Here we go, steadfast word again. Continue in them. Continue in what? Continue in what? Notice he said continue in them. Continue in being what? Taking heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, watch this, if you do, notice, continue in them for doing this, you will save both yourself, a lot of trouble, a lot of hassle, a lot of pain, 
A lot of suffering. You ready? Underline it. And those who hear you. Guess who hears you the most? Your family does. Yes, true. People around you. Are you still here? So again, take heed to what? Yourself. Is that hard to figure out? No. You better pay attention to yourself as to how you're walking out your life on this planet. Am I doing what I need to to continue to get to know my God? Am I doing it the right way? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Or am I just going through the motions of Christianity thinking somehow that's going to really get me close to God? It's not if you're not making it about a relationship. But i got to do those things that are necessary to build that relationship. What did Wigglesworth said was the key thing that's going to help you to know your God? The Word. He said, I can't get to know Him through my experiences. Some people think they can. I can't get to know Him, quote unquote, by other aspect of what other people do. Or my feelings. Or any such thing. No. I can only get to know Him by the Word. You know why? I love this statement that Wigglesworth makes. You ready? He's everything the Word says He is. Say it. He's everything the Word says He is. So if you want to get to know Him, you're going to have to spend time in the Word. you got to do what? Take heed to yourself that you're doing that. Which also then leads to what? Also taking heed to what? Your doctrine. Meaning what? The teaching of the Word of God. Are you heeding what you're taught? See, for the believer, now for him, as a pastor, when he tells him to take heed to himself and the doctrine, he's talking about what he's teaching. He's a pastor. You better take heed to what you're teaching, uh, obviously, those in your flock. As the flock, how does that apply to me? I'm to take heed to what I'm taught. If I'm receiving sound doctrine that I know is based on the Bible, then the next question is, am I doing that? That's how you take heed to the doctrine as a believer. I have to take heed to doctrine even as a believer as it's taught to me. I got a word from God from Milan when Milan was preaching Sunday. I have to now take heed to that doctrine. Come on, if I want it to save me some hassle, save me some trouble, and even others who would hear me. But if I don't take heed to what God spoke to me, then guess what? God can't help me even though He wants to. Come on, somebody. So you and I got to realize we have to take heed to what? Ourselves, our lifestyle, what we're doing. You know what that includes, guys? That includes your attitude. <laughs> that includes your mouth. Come on. Not just your actions. What's your attitude like? Because you got a bad attitude, I guarantee you what, that's not going to help you to walk in relationship to God. I mean, you know, God's not a God with a bad attitude. So if you walk around with a bad attitude, how much fellowship do you think you're going to have with the Father? Not much. He's not going to fellowship with somebody with a bad attitude. Amen. Say it, I am. Come on, like you mean it, I am. Going to take heed to myself and what I'm taught. The reason you come to hear the word taught, folks, is to apply it. To heed it, to walk in it. Why? In doing so, what are you going to do? Save yourself. Think about it. Come on, man. I'm going to save myself. How are you going to save yourself? Well, the Word's going to save you. It's not you really that's going to save you, although He said you save yourself, but you're going to do it how? By heeding the Word. And the Word's going to do. Do its work. Word's going to do what? Do its work. The Word's going to deliver me. Word's going to free me. On your notes. On number seven... A, take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. B, continue in them. If you do C, you can save yourself and your whole household. Come on. And your whole 
household. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Now, don't, don't get the big head on this. I know you won't, but, you know, we get compliments on these kids in this church all the time. And don't you kids get the big head on this. But we get compliments on these kids all the time. And I tell them all the time, I say, when people compliment us about them, I, you know, they say, good pastor. I said, no, good parents. Because if parents take heed to the word that they're being taught, then they're influencing their kids in their home like that. What little bit I get to influence them isn't going to make that big of a difference. Not if they're being taught something else at home. But if that influence is going on at home, guess what? They're going to love to come to church. Any of you kids love coming to church? One yes. Saw some hands. Any of you kids love coming to church? You look forward to being in church? Are you just saying that because your pastor's asking you? You're serious. You like coming to church. What do you like about church? What do you like about church, Claire? Amen. She likes hearing the word and being with other people. That must mean she loves us must like you guys. She must like you. Say, I like you too, Claire. You're not going to say it? Amen. Why do you like to come to church? You should want to come because God's here. You should want to come because God's family's here. God's going to help me here. Can I get a better amen? So how powerful. You won't just save yourself. You'll save your household. Hebrews 10, are you there? Hebrews chapter 10, number 8 on your notes. No one nor anything, no one nor anything can take away your confidence if, circle it, underline it, you do not cast it away. Listen to that statement. No one nor anything can take away your confidence if, circle that, underline the rest of the statement, you do not cast it away. You can But if you don't, nobody can take it from you. What is your confidence? Come on, let's find out. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. So obviously, if he tells me not to do it, that must mean I can. Isn't that right? He didn't say somebody could take it from me. He just told me not to cast it away. Do not cast away your confidence. Underline this, which has a little bit of a reward. How much? Oh, man. We're going to start getting into something that relates to this on Sunday morning in our new series. This confidence has what? Great reward. Shout it at me. Great 36, because you have need of endurance. Oh, steadfastness again. Here we go. So you have need of this endurance or consistent steadfastness. So after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. How do I do the will of God? Well, what affects your life and how you live more than anything else? Your words do. James said, your words set on fire your course of nature. So let me, I've I've revealed this to you before. If you've made a note in your Bible about this, you've already, already know what I'm about to tell you. If you don't, you better make a note about this. What does it mean? Do not cast away your confidence. The word confidence there, if you look it up, literally it says this, your bold confession without fear. The, the Greek, the writing in the Greek. So if you read it from the Greek language, it tells you do not cast away, let go of, or stop making a bold confession with no fear. That's confidence. So the confidence isn't just like this being confident in something. No. He's telling you do not cast away your bold confession without fear. It has to be a bold confession that has no fear in it. 
No fear in your heart. If you make a bold confession consistently, so if I, let me, let, me, let me finish this first. If I make a bold confession without fear, what does he say is going to be the result? Great reward. Great reward. You know why? It's a spiritual law. Your words are spiritual, uh, uh, as a spiritual law, are functioning as something that will come to pass in your life. Bible says so. Now, now recognize this. He said, don't cast it away. So what does that mean? It means I can't just speak a bold confession without fear once in a while and get great reward. Here we go. The power of steadfastness. So what's the power of the steadfastness of this verse? If I consistently make a bold confession that has no fear in it, guess what? I'm going to be highly rewarded. I'm going to be greatly rewarded. Why? That word's going to work. I said that word's going to work. Don't tell me steadfastness as a believer don't pay off. But it applies to every area of your life. Not just your relationship with God. Not just in context to what you do in relationship to the things of God. Not just in relationship to your leadership. But how about your mouth? How about your words? You need to be making a bold confession without fear. And if you're not, come Sunday. Because we're going to start dealing with this spiritual law. And the significance how it can affect your life. Amen? So on your notes there, number 8. Uh, 8a, uh, again, we'll quote uh, the, the statement again. No one nor anything can take away your confidence if you do not cast it away. How do I cast it away? I stop making a bold confession of the Word of God that's without fear. 8a, confidence means a bold confession without fear. 8b, it will, of course, bring you great reward. Notice number nine. It is possible to fall from your steadfastness. Second Peter. I want you to just simply go for just a moment here to 2 Peter. Look at this. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. You can fall from your steadfastness. So you could actually get steadfast in relationship to the things of God and then fall from it. We know this even based on Jesus' words. Sadly, in the last day, the love of many will grow cold. So that means that once they were steadfast, but they fell from it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 gives you a direct reference to this. You therefore, beloved, talking to believers, since you know this beforehand, notice this, beware. Warning. Come on. Where's my 70s uh, teenagers? From back there you go. Warning, warning, warning. Beware. Lest you also, one of these days, I'm going to get a video of that and I'm going to show it to you up here. I'm going to show it to you. You've seen it. Have you seen it, Kylie? Huh? Have you seen it or are you just, are you just, just doing what everybody else did? Have you seen it? You haven't seen it? I'm going I'm to show it to you. She did that really good. I might have you come up here and do that. Watch this. Beware lest you also what? Fall. Fall from your own steadfastness. Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Being led away with the error of the wicked. On your notes, number 9a, you need to watch out for the error of the wicked. Because this will certainly cause you to be what? This will cause you to fall from your steadfastness. You fall prey to the error of the... What's the error of the wicked? The wicked are in error. 
If they're living a wicked life, a life that's truly uh, not right in the sight of God, guess what? It is not a, a life of truth. It is a life of error. Amen? So we don't want to get caught up in walking out what is clearly the error of the wicked. 9b, just because you were once steadfast is no guarantee that you will, no guarantee that you will stay that way. 9c, the way you become steadfast, you have to underline this. The way you became steadfast, excuse me, is the same way you stay steadfast. You didn't become steadfast by hanging around those who do things that aren't right in the sight of God. Right? Because that will affect you. You choose your friends carefully. So what got you there is what will keep you there. Not just friends, but lifestyle, what you do, etc. All right, last verse, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's, let's close with the powerful statement from the Apostle Paul. You want to? And we'll shout along with him and declare, that's me in Jesus' name. May we all be like uh, Paul and be able to make this statement in the end of our life when the Lord comes to get us in 2 Timothy Chapter 4. Number 10, Paul gave his last pronouncement of his faith. Right here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So what does he mean, I kept the faith? He stayed steadfast, grounded, rooted in his walk with Christ. An act of Christianity, pursuing God, pursuing Jesus. He didn't falter. I said he didn't falter. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't all of a sudden uh, no longer take heed to himself. He kept taking heed to himself and his doctrine. And he stayed steadfast. And because he did, guess what he said? I fought the good fight. Hallelujah. Come on. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And so can you. 10A, I fought. I finished. I kept the faith. May we all be able to say that we can. If we stay steadfast, we can say, I have fought, I finished, kept the faith. Stayed steadfast to my God. Amen. So tonight, as I get ready in just a moment to pray over you, I want you to listen carefully to your heart and ask the Lord as I pray, Lord, is there anything at all that is affecting me from being steadfast in my walk with you? Because there's great power in it. And I want all the power I can get in these last days. So what we need to start doing, taking heed to ourselves, is make sure, is there something that could be causing us to not remain steadfast? Is there some areas that might, we might need to brush on up a little bit more to be more steadfast in our walk with God? Because I guarantee you, if you stay steadfast in your walk with God, I can assure you this, you'll have the same testimony as Paul did when the Lord comes to get you or you go to be with him. Amen. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.